Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining me here today. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post every single Wednesday on the podcast and upload the video version onto YouTube as well every Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to take a second and say Happy New Year, you guys. This is the first episode of 2024, and I know personally I'm very excited to see what 2024 has in store for Killer Instinct, for us, for you. I'm just very excited to take on this new year. I hope you guys had a very happy and safe holiday. I hope that you had a great time, whatever it was that you were doing, and I'm just very excited to go into the new year with you guys. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Killer Instinct family. It really is such a crazy thing to know that we are coming up on, I believe, five years of Killer Instinct, if my math is right, and I believe that it is. That is crazy. That is wild. But thank you for being here along the ride nonetheless. Now, let's get into today's case. As you guys can tell by the title, we are talking about the case of Matt Trussler. This is a case of betrayal. It's a case of confusion. And this is a case that raises the big question of, was this self-defense or was this cold-blooded calculated murder. I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one, so let's just jump right on into it today. Matt Trussler was born on January 11th, 1994 in Hopkinton, Massachusetts to his parents, Margaret and David Trussler. His parents separated shortly after Matt was born, however, maintained a co-parenting relationship while raising Matt and his older brother, Sean. Matt graduated from Westfield State University, located in Westfield, Massachusetts, in 2015, and then moved to Florida to work in the construction business alongside Sean, his brother. Now, before moving to Florida, Matt had struggled for some time with substance abuse. However, he was really looking forward to creating a fresh start in Florida. He felt like this was going to be a new chapter of his life. He felt like he was going to be able to have a clean slate, and he was really looking forward to to what the future had in store for him. And so things were definitely looking up for Matt. And after about two years of living there is when Matt met a woman on Tinder, and this woman would be named Melissa Turner. Melissa was born on November 25th, 1992, and grew up in North Carolina before moving to Florida. Growing up, it was said that Melissa suffered from abuse from a family member of hers. However, the details of that are disclosed. What we do know is that Melissa claims that the abuse led her to an eating disorder, which caused her to be severely overweight. Due to her weight gain, Melissa was a target of bullying at school. However, after graduating with an associate's degree in business, Melissa went on to lose over 100 pounds and began a blog all about her fitness and wellness journey that actually turned out to be very popular for her. This was something that she was really excited about, something that she was very passionate about, and she did grow to have an audience that was interested in this part of her life as well, and that was along the journey with her. Now, immediately upon Melissa meeting Matt, she was enthralled by him. Melissa said that Matt made her feel special. She felt like Matt treated her very differently than all of the previous relationships that she had had in the past. And in 2019, Matt and Melissa decided to make the jump, and 
and officially bought a house together. According to Melissa, this was a very exciting time for them. They were picking out paint colors and furniture, and it was just something that they were very passionate about. They were excited about their future together. They were excited about what the future of their relationship was going to be and felt like this new house was really the next stepping stone for them. Now, even though they were very excited in the beginning to be able to start this next chapter of their lives together, Melissa said that once they actually ended up moving in together, things started to slowly go downhill for the two of them. According to Melissa, Matt's drinking habits had picked right back up again once they moved in together and had gotten excessively worse over time. Now, it's important to note, and I keep repeating myself because I feel like like it is important to point out that this is all what Melissa says. This is from Melissa's point of view because Matt's family, on the other hand, his brother, his mom, Matt's family paints a very different picture than the picture that Melissa paints. Now, according to Matt's family, they believe that Matt truly was, from the very beginning, manipulated by Melissa Turner. They believe that she isolated him from his friends and his family. Matt's brother, Sean, claimed that he hadn't seen Matt in the last six months of his life, which he partially blames Melissa for. And it's important to note as we continue going through this case that according to the people who knew Melissa, her friends, as well as Matt's family, everyone kept repeating the same thing. And that was that there were two sides to Melissa. You had the girlfriend, the sweetheart, the girl next door, you know, you had that persona about her. But then you had the other side to Melissa. And the other side to Melissa was an actress. And I mean, quite literally, an actress. She was very passionate about acting. She loved to act. Everyone who knew her said that she was this phenomenal actress. And she also loved cosplay. She loved dressing up in costumes and different characters. And her love of cosplay and acting is slowly what transitioned her into entering the adult entertainment industry. Melissa was very passionate about shooting different X-rated films that she would shoot herself. She would produce them. She would post them on different websites and she would sometimes cast Matt in these films as well and I wanted to mention this now because like I said we will get into more detail about it later however I want you to have somewhat of an understanding of what we're dealing with while we go through this so let's talk about October 17th 2019 because this was the day prior to Matt's death now according to Melissa this day started out like any normal day she claimed that the two of them woke up and they took care of their pets. They had a dog, they had cats. So Melissa claimed that they took care of the animals and then did some chores around the house and then went grocery shopping before returning home. Now, Melissa said that throughout the day, her and Matt were drinking together. She said that this was something they did very often, something that they liked to do when they were at the house together, no matter what the occasion or no occasion. They would like to just pour a couple cocktails, have a good time. And that was something that they were doing on October 17th. Now, Melissa said that her and Matt were drinking up until about 11 p.m. when Melissa decided that she was going to go to bed. She was tired, she had tapped out, and she was ready for bed, and she had told Matt that she was going to sleep, and then proceeded to fall asleep on a lounge chair downstairs. Now, why she didn't go up to the bedroom, unknown, but she claimed that she fell asleep on the chair in her office downstairs. So now we move into the next morning. 
October 18th. Now, Melissa claims that the first thing that she did when waking up on this morning was walking upstairs into the bedroom to see Matt. However, when she got up there, Matt was nowhere to be found. Melissa then came back downstairs and walked into the kitchen to what she claimed to be a bloody mess. There was blood everywhere in the kitchen. There was blood on the floor, blood on the countertops. It truly looked like a horror movie. And just to give you an understanding of the layout of the home, Matt and Melissa did have a pool. They had a pool with almost like a, you see these a lot in Florida. They have those pool enclosures. So Matt and Melissa had a pool and a pool enclosure. And the way to get to the pool was through the kitchen. The kitchen had a sliding door and you would walk out onto the back patio where the pool was and it was covered by the pool enclosure. Now, when Melissa got into the kitchen that morning, that is when she claimed she saw Matt lying on his back unresponsive on the back patio of their home. Now, Melissa claims that she immediately called 911 a little bit after 8.30 a.m. to tell them that Matt was unresponsive on the back patio and that his body was cold. And police arrived shortly after that. And I am going to play that 911 call for you right now. Now, when police arrive on the scene, they discover Matt's body and they are able to confirm that he unfortunately had passed away. Now, when looking at Melissa, police claim that physically she was covered in blood. She looked very disheveled. She had blood all over her. And as far as emotionally goes, she seemed very on edge. She seemed hysterical. She seemed disheveled. She seemed like she didn't know what was going on. And so police decided to bring her down to the station to do some questioning. Now, during Melissa's initial questioning with police, she was wearing latex gloves that were given to her by police at her home because, like I just mentioned, Melissa had blood all over her, including her hands, and she was getting blood everywhere because she was touching everything. So she was given gloves by police. Now, during her questioning, police asked her to take the gloves off so they could examine to see if she had any cuts or bruises on her. And in doing so, Melissa pointed out what she first said to be a quote-unquote small cut on her hand. However, when police got a closer look at it, this was definitely not a small cut. This was a very deep cut that cut through Melissa's entire palm. Now, when asking Melissa where this cut came from, at first she claimed she did not know where it came from. She didn't know how she got this massive gash on her hand. However, she assumed that it was from when she picked up a piece of broken glass inside of the house that morning. She said it must have been from when she grabbed a piece of broken glass by accident and it sliced her hand. Now, along with that, when asking Melissa about what had happened that night, Melissa claimed that she did not know a single thing. She claimed that she had no idea what happened. She claimed that there was no argument that ensued between her and Matt either on October 17th leading into the early morning hours of October 18th. She continuously just denied everything. Essentially, she said that she did not know what had happened just over and over again. She did not know. She didn't have any answers for police. There was literally just nothing. She just claimed that she went to sleep at 11, woke up, and Matt was dead. That was essentially her initial story. However, luckily for police, there were several different cameras 
that were able to capture different footage about what was really going on that night. Now, these cameras included a neighbor's outside security camera, as well as Matt and Melissa's security camera outside, and not only that, Matt and Melissa had a camera on the inside of their home as well. Now, when looking at all these different cameras, it painted a very, very different picture than what Melissa was claiming. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, when looking at the neighbor's security camera footage, police were able to hear that at approximately 4 a.m., there was absolute chaos coming from Matt and Melissa's home. Around that time, the camera picks up screaming and yelling from inside the home. It sounds like things are being thrown. And what police were able to notice from looking at this footage was that the majority of the dialogue coming from this camera was, in fact, Melissa. Rarely ever in the audio did you hear Matt speaking. Matt's voice was not really heard very much. It was mainly Melissa. And I am going to play that audio for you right now. Now, as you can hear it, or if you cannot, Melissa is saying things such as get up now, so fucking die, what did I do? Just very hysterical. It seems very hysterical over and over again. And when looking at what is being said versus the outcome of what happened, police really start to think that something a lot more sinister could have taken place. And when they got a hold of this footage, they immediately informed the detectives who were questioning Melissa so they were able to confront her about it. So now I'm going to play a couple clips for you from that initial interrogation. The first clip that I'm going to play is police asking if there was any argument that had ensued on that night on October 17th or the early morning hours of October 18th. So I'm going to play that for you now. Tell me about what happened around four o'clock this morning. Four o'clock? What happened at four o'clock? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I don't know either. Why? Was there any arguing? At four o'clock? Not that I know of. I believe I was asleep. <laughs> I have no memory of any argument at four in the morning. So now the second clip that I want to play for you is when police confront Melissa about the surveillance footage that they have. So let's roll that right now. The surveillance is actually yelling and screaming between a male and a female coming from your house what we need from you that would probably make a lot more sense is to tell us what that argument was about i would say he woke me up and we got in an argument over that because he was still up at four in the morning drinking okay so just so i'm clear you do have a memory of what happened right yes. uh, at four o'clock yes why were you yelling at him bitch get up bitch get up actually a lot of the times whenever he was drinking 
and gets that drunk into the hours of the morning, he will just fall over. You also said a couple of other things like, stay down. Stay down! So fuck die. What are you talking about? That was me being pissed off at him that he fell over. You got a slice on your hand. A slice. That's what that is. How did that happen? Now, as you can tell at this point, police are now beginning to unravel Melissa's story a little bit. Things are falling apart. Her story is just not making sense. They're telling her that she has this cut on her hand and now her boyfriend's dead and they have this footage of her screaming in the middle of the night. Things just aren't adding up. And it was around this time, right after this confrontation, that Melissa finally tells police that she does, in fact, remember how she got her cut on her hand so let's play that clip right now he does get his knives out sometimes he wasn't him anymore thinking back on it this is from me grabbing a knife out of his hand and things kind of escalated from there now, as you can tell in this clip, Melissa now changes her story. She's saying that the reason that she has the cut on her hand is because she grabbed the knife away from Matt. And when she grabbed the knife, she grabbed it by the blade, which resulted in the cut on her hand. Now, with the changing of Melissa's stories, as well as things just not adding up in this case, police decide that they are going to and that they have enough evidence to go forward and arrest Melissa on second degree murder charges. And it was after her arrest and after doing some more digging into Melissa, this is when we get a better understanding of who Melissa Turner is. Now, there was an ex-boyfriend of Melissa Turner's named Cameron who came forward to police to speak on his experiences with Melissa. According to Cameron, the two met in 2012 when they were both studying makeup effects at a school in Pittsburgh. Now, this was around the time that Melissa was running her fitness blog after she had lost over 100 pounds. Now, Cameron said that when he met Melissa, she was incredibly business-driven and very creative, which was attractive to him. In 2013, the two moved to Florida together to pursue careers in special effects, and once they moved to Florida, Melissa had confessed to Cameron that she had started a second blog, which is what she called it. Now, alongside this fitness blog that she had, Melissa had also started to be a cam girl online. So this is the beginning of Melissa's X-rated endeavors, if you will. Cameron claimed that Melissa would dress up in her cosplay costumes and perform online for her fans who would pay her. And this was before the OnlyFans era. So this was prior to OnlyFans being a thing. This was before all of that. However, it should be noted as well that Melissa did have an OnlyFans at a certain point once the website was founded in about 2016. So she did have an OnlyFans at some point. However, prior to OnlyFans, she was being a cam girl and she had all of these fans and she would have people who would pay money for videos of her and she was making pretty decent money off of this according to Cameron. However, Cameron claimed that the more success that Melissa found in doing this, the more unstable she became. Cameron claimed that Melissa became money hungry, she became obsessed with success, and she was really willing to do whatever she had to. 
Now, while some might say that being money hungry or being obsessed with success or wanting to be successful isn't necessarily a bad thing, I think that you could argue that here. I think that you could say, well, what's wrong with wanting to be successful? What's wrong with wanting to make money, so to speak? But that's not necessarily what the issue was here. I think that from what everyone has said about Melissa, it has been that she was willing to go to the greatest extremes in order to achieve what she wanted. She was willing to go to the greatest lengths, no matter what it was, she was willing to do anything. And I think that's what's important to remember here. So let's talk about the trial. And something very important to know about the trial is that the judge ruled from the very beginning that the jury was not to learn anything about Melissa's cam girl or OnlyFans experience because according to the judge, the information was irrelevant. Now, this was a very hard pill for the prosecution and Matt's family to swallow because they completely disagreed that the information was irrelevant, and I will tell you why. The prosecution disagreed with this because they believed that the jury needed to know that Melissa was an actress, that she acted, that she knew how to cry on command or that she knew how to, you know, put on a different persona, that that was something that she was able to do. And now the prosecution wasn't able to portray that. Now, when it came to Matt's family, they felt like the information was important because they truly felt like this information could possibly play into a potential motive. Now, when thinking about motives, Matt's family believes that a potential motive in this case could have been that Matt did not want to participate in the OnlyFans or the X-rated videos anymore. He didn't want to be a part of it and told Melissa this. They believe that it's possible that Matt told Melissa, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't something that I'm interested in. And that could have fueled Melissa's rage because that was where the majority of her success was coming from. That's where the majority of her money was coming from. And so they believed that that a potential motive here could have been Matt wanting to pull away from that business and Melissa snapping because of it. Now, because the judge ruled that none of this information about Melissa's experience being on OnlyFans or a cam girl or what have you, none of that could be relayed to the jury. And Matt's family felt like the jury would be missing out on a very big potential motive here. However, nonetheless, the jury was not to know about that. Now, from the very beginning of this trial, the defense claimed that Melissa killing Matt was an act of self-defense and that the person who ultimately killed Matt was Matt himself due to his actions and behavior towards Melissa over the years. The defense claimed that Melissa suffered years of abuse at the hands of Matt and that his drinking was out of control and that a domestic dispute on the late hours of October 17th leading into the 18th is what led Melissa to finally stand up for herself. The defense spoke to Matt's excessive drinking problems, saying that Melissa would find empty bottles in her truck. She would watch Matt take shots that were back to back to back and that there were several mornings she found him sick, throwing up, and how sometimes he drank too much that he would start hallucinating. They claimed that Matt would have these hallucinations and really turn into a scary person. Melissa claimed that when Matt had these hallucinations, he would always claim that there was some sort of demon in the room with them. He would claim that there was a demon in the corner or that there was a demon in the house or that Matt wasn't 
there anymore so that a demon was possessing his body. Now, Matt's family, on the other hand, had other things to say about this because Matt's brother, Sean, testified and said, quote, this isn't a story of a poor, innocent girl. This is a story of a woman who intentionally isolated and manipulated a good kid away from his loving and supportive family, end quote. And his family also blamed Matt's drinking on the toxicity of the relationship that he had with Melissa, saying that he was abusing alcohol because he was trying to mentally escape the relationship that he was in with her. So it's very clear that we're looking at two completely different sides of a story here. Now, the prosecution tried to argue what the defense was saying by claiming that Matt had no prior history of any domestic violence or violence in general. And I think that that's important to note here. Matt had no prior history of any sort of violence at all. The prosecution also claimed that they believed that the motive for this was simply because Melissa snapped, whether that was because she was fed up with Matt's drinking or because she got mad at him for something else. And remember, they're not allowed to bring up the X-rated videos here, so they can't present that theory to the jury. But nonetheless, the prosecution just claimed that Melissa snapped. And again, there isn't a really big why here. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggled with in this case, because they can't figure out if this was calculated cold-blooded murder why? Why did this happen? What was it that led to the point that Matt had to die? And from the prosecution's angle, they claimed that Melissa was fed up over Matt's alcohol use. He had been drinking and drinking and drinking, and she couldn't take it anymore. And a fight broke out. And ultimately, that is what led to her killing Matt. Now, you might remember earlier when I mentioned the cameras, the cameras that were outside of the house, as well as the camera that was inside of the house. And I want to talk about the camera that was inside of the home because the prosecution brought this up during the trial and they played some very damning video evidence from inside of the home on the night of Matt's murder. Now on the cameras, they can see that at 3.42 a.m. on the early morning hours of October 18th, Matt is seemed walking around his house calmly. He doesn't seem like anything's wrong. He just seems like he's kind of walking around, not appearing as if anything is out of the ordinary. However, Melissa, what you see is that Melissa is following right behind him. And it's a very eerie, eerie image. And what you see is that Melissa is hunched over and she's clearly upset and she seems like she is yelling at Matt. And if you match up the time frames between the audio and the video, remember the audio from the neighbor's surveillance camera and the video from Matt and Melissa's surveillance from inside of the home, these time frames are matching up because as I mentioned in the beginning, the neighbor's audio surveillance caught those audio clips from around 4 a.m., approximately 4 a.m. on October 18th. So now you're at 3.42 a.m. and you're looking at what appears to be Melissa yelling at Matt, following him, yelling at him. She's clearly upset about something. And then at 4.01 a.m., Melissa is seen running from one side of the house out of the camera's view. And you see her running into the camera's view and standing up against the wall. She puts her head in her hands. And what it appears to be is that Melissa's trying to calm herself down. It appears like she's trying to take a few deep breaths, 
calm herself down. She appears to very much be in distress. At 4.08 a.m., Melissa is seen standing at the front door and seemingly talking to herself. She's facing the front door because where the inside camera was situated, you really could only see the front door of the home. And by the way, I think it's important to note that this camera was also only video only. There was no audio on this camera. So you are just getting a video shot. And where the camera was placed was just facing the front door. So there was not a lot of other, there was actually no other cameras in the house other than this one. And this one was just facing the front door. So that's the only angle that you were seeing inside of the home. So at 4.08 a.m., Melissa is seen standing Melissa is seen facing the front door and again, appearing to actually talk to herself or potentially someone. There was no one there, but she's talking to herself and she's using her hands. She's, you know, talking and having a conversation. And then she turns around and goes back to where Matt is suspected to be in the area of the kitchen, in the area of the pool. She walks back to that area. And then after this, she turns around and walks back into the direction of where Matt is suspected to be in the direction of the kitchen, in the direction of the pool. And that is that. So the prosecution plays all this video for the jury. They also play the audio tapes that were found from the neighbor's cameras. And it definitely creates a very damning argument against Melissa because, you know, she's claiming that this was an act of self-defense, that Matt went after her. So let's unpack that theory a little bit right now because Melissa actually did testify during her trial, which was to everyone's surprise. No one thought that she actually was going to testify. However, she did. Now, in regards to the surveillance clips, the audio surveillance clips, Melissa disputed that it was her voice in the clips and that she did not recall having that conversation with Matt that night and doesn't remember saying any of the things caught on camera. So she's basically saying, that wasn't me. I don't know who that was, but that was not me. I don't, I never said those things. I don't remember having an argument. That wasn't me. Now the defense tried to, again, solidify this argument by saying that they found it suspicious that Melissa's voice was the only one that was heard on these audio tapes. So they're essentially alleging that the audio could have been doctored in a way where Matt's voice was not heard and Melissa's voice was amplified, making it appear that Melissa was the aggressor during this argument. Now, during her testimony, Melissa went on to explain how she was afraid of Matt and how she claims that Matt was extremely self-destructive in his past. She claimed that Matt had self-harmed many, many times in the past, using knives on himself, burning himself. He would stare off into the he would stare off into different corners of the room and claim that there was a demon standing there. She claimed that she suffered from domestic abuse at the hands of Matt. She said that Matt had pushed her, shoved her, hit her in the past, and she claimed that on the night of the murder, Matt had became physically abusive with her. Melissa claimed that on the night of Matt's death, Matt looked at her and said, quote, what's the matter, little girl? Are you scared? Because Matt's not here anymore end quote. Now, according to Melissa, this is her story of what happened. This is the story that she testified to. Melissa claimed that on the early morning hours of October 18th, Matt was upset with her because Melissa wanted to go to sleep and Matt wanted to stay up. So Melissa claimed that this ensued an argument between the two of them. Melissa claimed that in this argument, Matt grabbed his switchblade knife and began trying to use it on himself. According to Melissa, this was a common thing for Matt 
Matt to do, and she would often have to try and stop him from self-harming. She then grabbed the knife out of Matt's hand, which was when he began strangling her. And in order to try and get Matt off of her, Melissa claims she quote-unquote lightly stabbed Matt in the back. Now, again, these are all details that Melissa failed to mention to the detectives during her initial questioning. Now, after stabbing Matt in the back, Melissa claimed that Matt pushed her into the kitchen counter, which resulted in her hitting her head, giving her what she called a severe head injury. Now, in regards to why Melissa did not tell police what happened initially, she claimed that it was because she simply did not remember. She claimed that the head injury that she endured during the struggle with Matt caused her to not remember what happened that night, and it wasn't until after the interrogation that she finally began to have the recollection of what happened. Now, again, Melissa claims that she did not kill Matt. I think that I need to double down on this just to give you a very clear understanding. Melissa claims that the only injury that she gave to Matt was that stab on the back. And according to the autopsy, because this was also brought up to trial, Matt had defensive wounds on his right forearm and a large laceration to his chest. There was also a cut on his right shoulder and a large wound on his back that was consistent of a stab wound. The cause of death was stabbing and the stabbing caused Matt to bleed out. The fatal wound was a cut to Matt's right arm, which punctured a vein. Now, Matt's blood alcohol level was over five times the legal limit in Florida. However, police never tested Melissa to see what her blood alcohol level was at the time of her arrest. Now, regardless, the only injury that Melissa claims that she inflicted on Matt was that one stab to his back. She claimed that other than that, she never hurt Matt. She claimed that the only stab that she inflicted was the one to his back, and she claims that she doesn't know how he got his fatal injury, the injury to his right arm. She does not claim, she claims that she does not know how that one got there, and that the only injury that she gave him was the stab to his back. Now, when looking at the rest of the surveillance footage, it appeared that the fight between Matt and Melissa ended at approximately 5.11 a.m. on October 18th. Now, the prosecution really believes that at this time, Melissa is aware of how injured Matt is due to the state of Matt's body, as well as the amount of blood in the kitchen. Like I mentioned in the very beginning, the kitchen was a bloody mess. There was blood everywhere, blood on the floors, blood on the countertops. There was no way that you would walk into that kitchen and think that everything was normal. So they are fully under the impression that Melissa had some sort of understanding. Now, like I mentioned, Matt's body was found lying on the back patio. And I also said that the only way to get out to that pool from the inside of the house was through the kitchen and they had that sliding door. Now, interestingly enough, the window, the big kitchen window, the screen of that had been broken open. And prosecution believes that Matt pushed out the screen window himself to try and get away from Melissa through the window, however, collapsed once getting out onto the patio. And instead of Melissa helping him, instead of seeing that he was you know, injured and that something was severely wrong, she chose to go back to sleep and in turn, Matt bled out. On camera, Melissa is seen waking up at approximately 8.35 on October 18th, looking very disheveled and walking back into 
into the kitchen area. So now on February 18th, 2022, the trial officially ended and it was time for the jury to begin their deliberations. Now, the jury for this trial consisted of two women and four men. Now, there was a juror who has since come forward and has spoken about his recollection of Melissa's testimony and just her overall demeanor throughout the trial. Now, according to this juror, he claimed that he could tell based off of Melissa's testimony that her tears throughout the trial, her anguish, it all seemed very fake. Her testimony seemed very performative and her emotions seemed to be all over the place. He claimed that the main damning piece of evidence for all of the jurors, including himself, was the cameras inside of the home as well as the neighbor's audio. He said that there was one specific clip in that audio that Melissa seems to say, quote unquote, what did I do? Which showed to the jury that Melissa knew and had an understanding that Matt was dying, however, did nothing to help. He also claimed that because there was no evidence of any strangulation or head injury, which Melissa claimed to have had, it was just hard to believe her story. So after the jury's deliberations, the jury found Melissa Turner to be guilty of the second degree murder of Matt Tressler. On March 18th, 2022, the day of Melissa's sentencing, Matt's family was able to say a few words. Matt's mother, Margaret, went on the stand and said to Melissa, quote, you should have reached out to us for help. You never did. If you had done so, I believe that none of us would be here today. You and I both know that Matt was the best thing that ever happened to you. I have no doubt what is going to happen to you here today would have caused him great anguish." End quote. Melissa Turner was sentenced to 20 years in prison and will be eligible for release before she's 50 years old, with a current release date being April 27th, 2042. So there are many big question marks in this case, one of which being, was this self-defense? Did Melissa Turner really believe that her life was in danger on the night of October 17th leading into October 18th? The idea that Melissa only caused one stab wound in the back to Matt does not make a whole lot of sense when looking at the bigger picture in this case. If she truly felt like her life was in danger and she stabs Matt in the back and the adrenaline is running and she's afraid for her life, yet very shortly after goes and lays down on the chair in the office and falls asleep, it's just not a very believable story. And when it comes to the motive, there really isn't exactly one to hammer down on, which also makes this very frustrating. Like I mentioned, some people think that Matt's drinking just escalated and it caused Melissa to snap after an argument. And Melissa was also drinking. You know, if Matt's blood alcohol level was five times over the legal limit in Florida, we can only imagine what Melissa's was as well. So some people believe that the motive could have had something to do with alcohol. Some believe it's because Matt did not want to be a part of the X-rated movie industry anymore. It's really unknown what caused this to happen, but something that everyone is able to agree on is that Matt's death was very unavoidable and did not need to happen. This was not something that needed to happen. And it's just very, very sad to think about, but I'm very interested in to hear what you guys have to say about this case. So please let me know in the comments below. And with that being said, you guys, it's going to be all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here on the podcast every single Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new one for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.